on today's episode of the Digging In Podcast, we talk about King Josiah. Everything is going well today. I am super hyped because we are two episodes away from the end of this week. And that means that you guys are crushing it. So nice job. Congratulations on making this far. Congratulations on prioritizing your faith and on your love and understanding of who God is in scripture. So thank you for joining us. Thanks for digging in with us. And without further ado, let's just jump straight into this episode. But before you do that, Let's remember, grab our Bible, our pen, and some paper, and let's dig in. God, thank you so much for bringing us together to set our mind and set our eyes on you. God, you are the God of the universe. I mean, you literally created everything. And yet, what you want the most, what you desire from us, is our belief and trust in you in an intimate relationship between us. God, you give us the opportunity through prayer, through your word, through, I mean, just so many other things, God, where we get to know you. God, it's just so amazing that we have the opportunity today to dig into your scripture, to figure out what it is that we can learn from King Josiah and why and how it can, it can strengthen our faith in you. God, thank you so much. Open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to know you and love you more. We pray these things in your holy name. Amen. All right, everybody. King Josiah. King Josiah. Here's the thing about King Josiah, guys. We got to do a quick history recap just to make sure that we are up to date with our information on him. So what we're looking at right now is this period of the kings. And this period of the kings looks, unfortunately, a lot like the era of the judges or the, the time period in which the judges ruled. When Israel is split up into different groups of people, they're not united whatsoever. And they are letting all kinds of different t- types of human beings to rule them. And what this leads to ultimately is in many cases, a lack of faithfulness, a lack of understanding that although a human being is their king at the time, that their one and true king is the God of the universe. And that truth, that information is not always in the forefront of everyone's mind in Israel. And it's proven in the consistency in making mistakes and not just a mistake here or there, but a whole bunch of terrible kings just kind of rising up what feels like out of nowhere. So after Solomon's horrific mistakes of marrying 700 women, and having over three or 400 concubines and worshiping a whole bunch of different false gods, we were kind of leading Israel into their split, their division into the northern and southern kingdoms, and then also into this horrific rule of very different types of kings. In fact, during this whole period of time, uh, Judah has two good kings and Israel has zero, like zero for 19 and like two of 10, I think. It, the two good kings out of like almost 30 different kings in these two kingdoms, and there's only two. I mean, well, it's just painful, painful to watch. And so we're going to look at the other good king in Judah. I mean, the literal only other good king in Judah, and that is King Josiah. And we're going to learn a lot about King Josiah today because what we did learn was a lot about King Hezekiah, the other good king uh, up until this point. But there's one guy in between them who really highlights the 
horrendous nature of some of these kings. And that is a guy named Manasseh. And Manasseh steps onto the scene in Judah and is a horrific, horrific human being, a terrible, terrible king. And what he brings to the table is a whole bunch of idol worship and a whole bunch of uh, bad decisions. And so after King Manasseh dies, it's really just kind of like they hit not just the pit, but they may have just dug underground like they did with someone like Samson. And so at this point, we're like, man, kind of anything is better. And that's where we get King Josiah. And so Josiah is a really awesome king. And there's one more small piece of history we need to uncover about Josiah just before we get going. If you've been a close reader at all of the texts that you've been reading so far, then you may remember all the way back in the episodes right after Solomon that there was actually a moment where the name Josiah had already been brought up. If you didn't catch that, then I just invite you to go ahead and turn all the way back to 1 Kings 13 and read 1 through, I think it's like 1 through 12, at least that first story about that evil, evil king that right after the split of Israel, like literally right after the split of Israel. There's an evil king named Jeroboam, and he worships false idols. He makes carved images. He even makes two golden calves, highlighting the extra badness from Exodus 32 and saying, hey, we're even worse than them. And in that moment, what we read about is the story of this guy named Jeroboam and then this prophet, this unnamed prophet, mentioning the name of Josiah, who's going to be the one who tears down this altar and burns these bones on top of the altar as well. And just keep that in mind as we move forward, because as we go through the story of Josiah, there's a little bit of this kind of almost prophetic history moment, but also there's a really great moment where we get, we had the opportunity to read the last great king last. Well, he's not, maybe not great, but the last good king in Israel before they enter into an approximately 70 years of Babylonian captivity. So you're going to be reading, uh, sorry, not Isaiah. (laughs) You're going to be reading second Kings 22. And then you're going to finish in 2 Kings 23, verse 30. If you really want to, if you just feel like, well, that's weird. Why would I stop that early? Go ahead and read um, 31 through 35 as well. That'll get you to basically the start of chapter 24. So go ahead and read those and then join us back for more. I wish I could just not uh, tell you everything. And I wish you guys would, I just knew every single person in here was reading, but because, you know, I just need to recap information. I need to get everyone on the same page. It's really good that I recap stuff. And so what I want to do is I want to recap perhaps one of the craziest statements in the entire Bible are the first words of chapter 22, 22, 2 Kings 22, verse one, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign in Judah. And he reigned 31 years. So even though he reigned 31 long years, he was only 39 by the time that he was done. Guys, that means he would have, if, if he was in our country, he wouldn't have been able to have been elected until his last four years to be the president of our country. 35 is our, is our age limit, right? And so that's bananas for so many reasons. An eight-year-old is ru- is ruling over Judah, but he is from the line of David. So this is the Davidic line and, and he's ruling. So an eight-year-old just so happens to, you know, be this guy. And what, what do we learn from him in 22-2? He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of David, his father. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. Again, these turning aside from the right or the left, these are references to Joshua, references to the Psalms, references to 
essentially answering every possible question because those exact words in the Hebrew are mentioned in one of them in some of the most crucial texts all throughout the Bible. And next, our next episode is going to really hit home on some of those ideas. But this person, this Josiah, even at eight years old, was immensely faithful and he remained faithful. In fact, we see that in his first actions in verses three through seven are to repair the temple. So he goes in and he makes sure that all the destruction that had happened and all the little bits and pieces that were messed up and the fact that, you know, the, some of the stuff that was in the temple treasury was in the wrong spots. Josiah goes in and he repairs everything in the temple. Not only that, but Hilkai, who is the high priest at that time, goes and figures out where the, where the book of the laws, where the five books of the Torah are. Because at this point, what little did you guys know? This was gone. The book of law was actually gone because it had been misplaced because of all these terrible kings. And Hilkai finds this book of the law. And when he finds it, he brings it out and him and Josiah and all of the people tear their clothes and they weep because they're so happy that they found it. They're weeping because they found it. I mean, it's just, it's this amazing, amazing moment. And so, and, and, he finds the book of the law and helps essentially restore the faith. If you guys remember what David did, one of David's first moves as king was to bring the Ark of the Covenant back from the place where it was at and put it into Jerusalem. And then they built the temple around the Ark of the Covenant. The first move was to reinstitute the faith. And so Josiah's first moves are to be just like David, just be faithful, just like David was. And he repairs the temple like almost rebuilding the temple, so to speak. And then he brings the Ark of the Covenant, so to speak, back into the central view. They find the book of the law and they recite it and read it to all of the people. And so this is awesome. And what, what is so crazy about all this is that that's not really even the end of what Josiah does, guys. It's not even close to the end because remember, he rules for 38 years. And so, um, or 31 years, sorry, <laughs> he rules for 31 years. And so uh, pick up with me in, in verse 18, 22, 18. But to the king of Judah, who sent you to, the, to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, thus says the Lord your God, regarding the words that you have heard, because your heart was penitent and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard how I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they should have become a desolation and a curse, and you have torn your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see the disaster that I will bring upon this place. So this is almost a Moses-like promise in the reverse direction, right? So Moses was not allowed to enter into the promised land because of the bad thing that he did, but because of the good thing Thing that Josiah did, he won't see the bad thing that happens. So it's, it's like the, re, it's the reverse, right? Moses did bad, didn't see good. Josiah did good, so he didn't see the bad. Because the bad that's coming is the promised destruction of Jerusalem and the promised fact that they're going to be going into approximately 70 years of Babylonian exile. But Josiah and all of his faithfulness is just told by God. God speaks to him through the prophet and says, you won't have to experience any of that because of how faithful you are, because of how penitent you are, because you're following my ways. I mean, how awesome is that? You're going to, essentially, you're going to die before any of the bad things happen. So live out your rule, having that peace of mind. And so what does he do living out that rule, having that kind of peace of mind? He continues to reform things. 
Chapter 23 is a whole section of Josiah's reforms. He goes in and he does all kinds of stuff to restore Israel to their faithfulness, to Judah, sorry, to restore Judah to their faithful nation, uh, the fact that they could be a faithful nation. And so he goes and defeats bad guys. He takes down all kinds of crazy uh, of like institutions of prostitution and cultish things. And then child sacrifice gets rid of all that. And then in 2315, we read this. Moreover, the altar at Bethel, the high place that was erected by the evil king Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, what made Israel to sin, right? The thing that caused them to split that altar In the high place, he pulled it down and he burned it, reducing it to dust. He also burned down the Asherah, which was the carved idol. And just as Josiah was turning, he saw all the tombs next to the mount and he took all the bones out and he burned them on top of the altar that was dust and defiled all of it. Just according to the word that the man of God proclaimed back in 1 Kings 13. Wow. So an answer to prophecy there just by the fact that this Josiah guy is clearly all about God and he's destroying everything that isn't all about God. And Josiah removed all the shrines, also of the high places that were in the cities of Samaria, which the kings of Israel had made, provoking the Lord to anger. He did to them according to all that he'd done just at Bethel as well. He'd sacrificed to the priests of the high places who were there on the altars and burned human bones on them. Then he went back to Jerusalem. And what does he do right when he gets back to Jerusalem? He restores the Passover. He restores the Passover, bringing the faith right back, bringing everything back. The whole world around him is crumbling. There's evil everywhere. I mean, evil everywhere. In every direction, there are people worshiping themselves, worshiping money, worshiping idols, worshiping literal carved images idols, worshiping other people, right? It's all around him, every single direction. Does he have social media? No. Does he have the fashion trends of today? No. Does he have the music trends of today? No. But guess what? The exact same things that were happening that are happening to us today were happening to him in his own time period. There was idolatry and evil, a massive lack of faithfulness just surrounding the whole of Jerusalem and the, the surrounding areas. And he went and destroyed all of it. He did all of it in the name of God. Remember, he was eight years old when he started doing this stuff. And then throughout his entire reign, this is what he was doing, bringing the faith back to everything. So he restores the Passover and reminds all of Israel, do you not remember your God, the God of the covenant who brought you out of slavery in Egypt, horrific 400 years of slavery in Egypt. He brought you out of that and he brought you into his arms. And then he took you from his arms and put you in the promised land where he would remain with you until you would mess it up yourselves. And that is just so beautiful, all that his work does. And then he goes and nobly, nobly, nobelically, I don't know what the word is, um, with noble nature, goes and dies in battle. And he's buried with his father. So he dies before the destruction. Because what happens next, ultimately, right after he dies, is the destruction of the temple and the leading of Israel into Babylonian captivity. So what is the lesson? What is the lasting impact of the, you know, I said he was just a good king. I'm going to change my mind to the great King Josiah. What is the lasting impact to me, guys? It's really pretty simple. 
his faithfulness stood much stronger, much larger than the opinions of the world around him. Not only that, his age never seemed to be a problem. There was not a single thing about what was happening in the life of Josiah that would have said that his age or his faith kept him from doing anything. But much the opposite happened. His young nature, his immense faith gave way to the fact that what he was doing was centered on God, that everything that he would do from here on out would be totally and completely for the God of the universe, not for himself and not for the world around him. Josiah was so immensely faithful. He answered a prophecy. He restored the faith back to Judah and ultimately gave eyes to all of Israel to see how important the faith is. And he does all of this right before Israel is about to go into approximately 70 years of Babylonian captivity. They're going to be taken away from their foreign land. They're going to be taught the different cultures and ways of life of Babylonian people. But they're not going to be anywhere close to the temple that they worshiped in. And so all that Josiah was doing was trying to remind them of the importance of the faith. So that way, leading into this dark moment in history they would be able to keep their faith in God. That forever, we would keep our faith in God. So the lesson of Josiah is to let your faith speak louder than the culture around you. Does that mean that you need to go be preaching on every corner? No. Do you see Josiah preaching on every corner? No. At times, that may be necessary. At times, you may have to stand on a corner and say, repent and believe. But from time to time, you have to let your belief in God drive your actions. In those moments where it seems impossible that you're going to be able to make a good decision, where all you have around you is temptation and sin and horrific options, there is always a way to choose your faith in God, to choose the right thing instead of choosing the worldly thing. I could give you all kinds of examples, but one really speaks to me right now. If it came to the point where you were sitting there at a party And you're sitting at this party wondering whether or not you should do this thing or that thing. And you're bouncing around inside of your head. The the mere fact that you're thinking about whether or not you should do this thing should tell you that you shouldn't do this thing. But just in case it doesn't, just remind yourself that your small temporary problem in that moment is not nearly as large as any of the things that these people were facing. And that what Josiah decided to do was no matter what, no matter what the opposition was, he was going to choose God over everything. So that's it. That's the challenge. Choose God over everything. Choose God over your own desires. Choose God over money. Choose God over things. Choose God over other people. As crazy as that sounds, choose God even over your spouse is what the Christian worldview is. You choose God over everything because those things will all fall into place with a right and loving understanding of who God is, what he's done, and what that means, who that means you are now. But you can't possibly learn how to love even your spouse, love other people, love any instance. You can't possibly figure out how to do any of that if you don't first know God. Because first of all, God is love. And you can't base your understanding of love on anything other than him. But you can't possibly know how to love if you don't know him. So the challenge is to learn about God, love God, and let everything else, all relationships, all other things in life fall into place. 
but only after you have prioritized and set God at the center of everything. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Digging In Podcast. Join us next time as we close out this week by talking about Psalm 1 with the Blessed One.